boys and girls, it is Thanksgiving. Woo! The day everyone gives thanks for the existence of George and Hambone. You know that's right. Because, you know, if we weren't in your lives, you guys would be a lot more bored and not entertained. At least that's what I feel. Are you entertained? So join us again this time. The, the we're, we're going back to our basics right now. We're going down to the core beings. It is me. It is Hambone. It is... The Licky Boom Boom Down Master, <laughs> Hambone in the house. There's hey none better. Happy Thanksgiving. And that is it. It will just be the two of us today talking about comic books, nerding out on Disney and Star Wars and Punisher and Justice League. And we're going to talk about our th- reactions to them announcing that Lucha, Lucha Underground's getting a fourth season. What? We're going to give our final thoughts on War Games because it happened and we're like, whoa, it happened. And we are also possibly going to talk a little bit about Hambone's new country career as a country musician, which I am a huge fan of. Eat your heart out, honky tonk man. Hambone, what are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? Buddy, I'm thankful for you, man. I'm thankful for us being able to do the podcast. I'm thankful for all the new sweet little babies in my life. I'm thankful that I can still play rock and roll. And I still have all my hair. You not only have all your hair, you have enough hair to, like... Donate half to me to fill my blanks. I would do that for you. That would be amazing. I've actually been thinking about it a lot lately and met with a surgeon. He said, this is actually doable. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. We were talking about pulling it off my ass and like kind of fluffing it in. And my ass hair is like very soft and like, but it's not the same color. It's more of a like lighter alternative to my hair color. So it'd be like a brown salt and pepper. Kind of, kind of. But, you know, like your, hair, your hair, while darker, even though I know you dye your hair. I, I don't uh, dye my hair. I've heard otherwise. I used to dye my hair. Um, I think it actually, you know, it would it would give me a little more of like that skunk look. Ah, that's fun. That's fun. It's a fun look. I'm very thankful for our new son, Gabriel. He's he great. is the best. And, uh, you know, still being alive at age 40, which is shocking. Hey, man, who would have thunk it? No methylophilioma yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> One day, I will be part of the uh, advertising campaign on various podcasts. Do you, you know, know, or I'm, someone in your family yeah, know someone with mesothelioma? I am shocked that they haven't approached us yet for sponsorship. I mean, they're, they're giving it away to everybody. Well, I think I think they're waiting for us to have that one episode that breaks through. Really? Yeah, I think we're still like season one, Parks and Rec, oh. and they're waiting for season you know one point five of Parks and Rec. When I know what's gonna happen someday, buddy. What? Yeah, I know it. I know it. It's a matter I of mean, time. You know, sponsors should be reaching out to us, but they also realize that we might also be you know too cool for their demographic. I think we might be. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So let's start off with <laughs> let's start off with our weekly review of something awesome and something tiki. Yes. This week, I uh, last week we talked about Trader Sam's in uh, Disneyland, Disney World, Disney World. Sorry. I also want to talk about we we went on my birthday to the Mai Kai, the nice. Mighty Mai Kai. Do you know anything about the Mai Kai, Hambone? I've only heard legend. The legend is incredible. The Mai Kai is not the largest tiki bar in the world. That I think goes to the um, the Kowloon in Massachusetts. Yes, it is ungodly large. But it is one of the most famous, the most well put together, one of the oldest. I believe it was created in uh, 1955-ish, 1956, late 50s. Uh, It was created as a restaurant in the middle of the highway in Fort Lauderdale, where the highway is now. Back then it was in like swamp marshlands. I don't know whether it was the first Chinese restaurant in 
in Florida. It might have been. But it might have been. But they created this like gorgeous A-frame building with uh, tons of tiki, this incredible fire show, which still, not fire show, uh, Dan, Polynesian dancing tribal with fire show that still exists to this day. But what made this so incredible was the fact that it, it has survived all these years. Uh, including, uh, there was, I don't know if it was Hurricane Felix or something about 10 years ago, took the roof off. I remember seeing photos of it destroyed. That's terrible. And they actually took that as an opportunity to completely redo the place, clean it up, bring it up to spec. And the fact that, spec, what the hell am I talking about? Bring it, bring it to a modern, clean it up, basically. And... Uh, the fact that we went on a on a, a Friday or Thursday and it was packed, packed was a, was just this wonderful feeling. People, uh, there is a tropical rainforest type thing in the back in the side yard that I believe used to be just like that's what it was. Well, they went and enclosed it in fence so you can't see outside of this tropical rainforest. Right, and that's where you can go walk through the gardens and there's famous tiki from back then, new tiki, old tiki. It is so incredible. The food, it's a higher end restaurant, more like a Trader Vic's. Okay. Um, So it's not your generic just... No, 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 no. We have tiki and we serve Chinese food. No, it's not just we have tiki. We have... So... One of the big things I should mention, I don't think I mentioned before, is the book uh, Mai Kai, History and Mystery of the Iconic Tiki Restaurant. This is a new hardcover book that came out a couple of months ago, and this is just telling the history of the Mai Kai from 1955 to 1971. Oh, nice. And this is a must-purchase if you're a fan of tiki, tiki bars, Fort Lauderdale, um, just Americana. This is something everyone should have in their collection. But the Mai Kai is... The me- they call it the Mecca. It is the Mecca. It's not like there's lots of Meccas. This is the Mecca of the Tiki. Mecca for Tiki. Everyone needs to make a pilgrimage. It is three hours from Walt Disney World. It is maybe an hour from Miami. Maybe a half hour from West Palm Beach. If you are anywhere near there, you need to go. A lot of people who live there still think of it as kind of like this kitschy restaurant down there. Right. But it is so much more than that. Uh, the drinks we had were stellar. I had a, a Mai Tai. Amazing. They have their own mugs that are pretty famous, and it what, the food absolutely fabulous. I gotta check it out. I'll put it on my Lots list. of seafood. It's not just Chinese food. It's what I want to say. So definitely check out the Mai Kai. It's a place that I think every tiki fan must make one trip to. It's up there with. It's I would be to be honest. It's not my favorite tiki bar. My favorite right. tiki bar is Frankie's in Las Vegas. But as far as like old school, traditional, and just famous, but also legendary, it's the Mai Kai. All right, check it out. So that's the Mai Kai. Hopefully one day we might actually get someone from there to come here and tell us a history about it. I'd love to. Maybe we'll get the, maybe I'll call up the writer of the book and see That'd if we get him on here one day. But what we really need to talk to, talk about right now is Justice League. Oh. <sighs> Justice League, I remember we talked about the previews. I saw the preview before maybe Blade Runner. Uh, I think it was Blade Runner. Yes, the preview that showed you nothing. They said a couple catchphrases, and then they played a shitty version of Come Together. And and really hokey jokes by The Flash. Oh, so bad. Now, I, as everyone knows here, I am not a DC fan. I actively hate DC. I hate people who like DC. I hate the world that is DC. I hate DC like some people hate like terrorists. Like I hate DC. <laughs> DC Comics is are the terrorists of the comic book industry. 
they're horrible. It's it's the worst comic book ever created. Superman is is should just be like forgotten about. No, he should not Superman be should not be forgotten. Superman about. is the lamest superhero ever. He but really is not. We're not here to talk about that. I'm. It's Thanksgiving. Right. I'm giving praise to Hambone. Oh, thanks, buddy. Who is a huge DC fan, even though I think DC fans should all die. Except um, me. But except for Hambone. I can pass. Hambone, you went and saw this. This is a follow-on from both Batman vs. Superman, Man of Steel, and Wonder Woman, which I thought was a very okay movie. I saw a DC movie, so you see there's there. I gave it a chance. He gave it a try. The first, first two-thirds of the movie were great. Justice League should... Let's, let's start off first. Why did you go see Justice League? Okay, so first, I just want to put it out there that normally, if you've listened to our show before... I will always go, spoilers, don't do it. I always try to prevent spoilers from happening on air. I am about to go ham on the Justice League. So there's going to be plenty of spoilers, folks. You're going to hear about everything that happens in the movie. It's all bad. So our friend Tim, we always go to see, we always go to see superhero movies together. We go to see superhero movies. We go to see Star Wars together. Um, so, he, I mean, Tim was really excited for the Justice League. I like hanging out with Tim. So... I was going to go see the Justice League with Tim. And also, I like to be able to report things on her program. So we went and... Was it sold out? Was it packed? Were people psyched? Were they wearing Superman costumes? So I was online trying to get a soda. And I saw this really, really pretty girl with a really tall boyfriend in a very small Batman costume and he was having trouble getting his wallet out because he had the back gloves on and she's like no no it's okay honey and she takes his wallet she takes his money out and I looked at her and I gave her the nod because that girl is a keeper Uh, first off being seen in public with Batman and secondly she she went to see the Justice League it was the drizzle shits. I think the, I think the accurate turn is, for, is the drizzle shits. What, what Hambone is forgetting to talk about is the next hour after the movie where he got her back to his house, licking his boom boom down. That that not even in fan fiction did that happen. Uh, so well, I, go, I go to the movies with Tim all the time, and I we went to see the Justice League, and I try to always go into movies open mind because even though I knew it was going to be the drizzle shits, I'm like, you know what, maybe, maybe they got something in there that I like, and I'm sure I could find something that's redeeming about this movie. That when Tim was really excited about it after the movie, I could be like, hey, I liked this and it was hard it was hard to do uh it felt like two movies and it actually was two movies like the, i don't know if you'll ever find the actual budget for justice league because they had the zack schneider making the movie they realized it needed a lot of work and zack schneider unfortunately because of the loss of his daughter had to bow out of the movie so they brought in joss whedon two complete opposite directors bipolar opposite so this movie feels like a movie that they bolted another movie on top of and try to make it work. Like, talk about classic square peg, round hole. <laughs> because you have, like, dark and brooding Zack Schneider movie. And then you have Josh Whedon coming in with all the jokes. The theater was pretty full. Not all the jokes landed. It's funny because everyone's like, oh, The Flash is the best part of the movie. Zack Schneider directed The Flash like he had autism. <laughs> Josh Whedon directed The Flash like he had like severe ADHD. It's like you got to pick a lane because you had like kind of two different flashes and he was trying to make all the jokes in the movie. Like he makes this really bad joke when he walks into the bat cave for the first time. He's like, whoa, it's like a cave for bats. It's like a bat cave. It's just like, wow, that was like some Joel Schumacher terrible jokes being told. The villain 
is like a 15, 16 foot tall version of Steppenwolf who was completely done in CG. Even all the close-ups, it looked like shitty sci-fi channel uh, uh, CG when they're doing all the close-ups of the face. They first third of the movie was all character development for characters that they're now introducing you to because they're forming a league. And uh, Batman suddenly is making jokes and he's very lighthearted and Ben Affleck looked like he was completely bored the entire time he was in that movie. It was terrible. Let's talk about Mustache Gate. Oh, Mustache Gate. For those that don't know, this movie is was so challenging that they had to do reshoots later on. The problem is the guy who plays Superman was doing Mission Impossible where he was wearing a mustache, a real mustache. He had grown out his mustache. Paramount said that they would allow Warner Brothers to take him back for the reshoots, but they could not remove his mustache. Now, I honestly believe Paramount was trolling them. Oh, no, it had to be a troll. This is such a troll move. Full-on rib. So Warner Brothers had to agree and paid I hear up to like $25 million to CG his mustache out of every scene. Oh, yeah. No, and could you imagine the guy working in CG that day where they're like, oh, hey, you, we're putting you on the Justice League. He's like, awesome. And they're like, yeah, all you have to do is CG Henry, ha- Henry Cavill's mustache. Well, what else? Am I going to do any power demons? Am I doing... Nope, just explosions. Nope, just, just CG the mustache. Is the mustache, as, man. Is it as obvious as it looks in the movie? You know what? I honestly forgot about Mustache Gate till about halfway through, and I was like, "Wait a second! Oh, that's right." Because remember, Superman died in Batman versus Superman, and this was this was the most bullshit thing of all. Batman, historically known for figuring everything out, always being six steps ahead, of everybody having a plan for everything. They're like, "Well, this the Steppenwolf guy is he, he's unstoppable. What are we gonna do?" He's like, "Well, we got to bring Superman back to life because fuck it." That's why. And so they went and got a mother box. They put it in like the Superman goo water in the ship and had Flash run at it very fast and touch it. A lightning struck and Superman was instantly back alive. This is the worst thing I've ever heard of in my life. But this is exactly how it happens in the movie. And Superman has, he's like, he doesn't know who people are and he's angry because he was dead and then like in a blink of an eye he's back. So tell me, what do you, because people say we're too negative, particularly me. Let's tell me what is the one good thing about this movie? Why should people see this movie? You shouldn't. Here's the here's the thing. I will tell you the honest to God truth. I really liked Henry Cavill as Superman in this movie because when he comes back to life, now he's got a lighter blue suit. He's full of hope. He's making jokes. So he went from like snapping a dude's neck in Man of Steel, almost killing Batman and being like sad and morose and Batman versus Superman to like instantly being back alive with a new lease on life and he's happy to be there. Like I said, it's a movie bolted onto another movie. The best part of the movie, and this is the thing, why people were clapping at the end of the movie, why people were like, oh no, I don't know what everyone's talking about, that's awesome. It's all, this movie does nothing well except get cheap pops out of everybody. For instance, there's a battle scene where... The Amazons, the men, and I don't know, whoever else are fighting like power demons back in the day. And a dude gets killed, and suddenly you see this green light flying through the air. It's a Green Lantern ring, and everyone in the crowd gasps. Um, is Green Lantern actually in it? Nope. Is Ryan Reynolds in this movie? No, no Green Lantern is in this movie. Just whatever Green Lantern was on our Earth back in, I don't know, the Stone Age. Uh, then you have Alfred making mention of like penguins. Uh, explode, you know, we had it easier when, when it was just, we had to worry about, you know, 
penguins. Mechanical penguins exploding everywhere. And everyone popped because, oh my god, the penguin exists in the DCU. And the whole time I'm like, oh lord, kill me. But at least, at least, I mean... The Flash TV show is so good. Everybody is loving it. It's great that at least they branched out, took that actor, put him in the movie, and is making him a true star. Oh, no. They got someone completely different for The Flash. Why would you do that? Because they are allergic to money. And but, but because that makes it, that's no why. sense. My it, brain is hurting right now. Nothing makes sense. So here's, here's the best part of the movie. First after credit sequence is... The Flash and Superman in a race. Now, here's what here's what Josh Whedon did. Josh Whedon went and he made a joke. You know how in the Avengers movie he makes the shawarma joke like at some yeah. point? Then after the credits, they're at a shawarma place. Yeah. So in Batman or whatever the hell, Justice League, he, the Flash makes a joke about how he has trouble adjusting in and understanding and being around people. Like he hears brunch is great, but he's always afraid to go to brunch. Right? End of the movie, Superman... I'm not, I'm not afraid to go to brunch. You are the king Never. of brunch. Brunch is the best Brunch thing. is the best. Best. End of the movie, Superman is standing there with the Flash, and Flash is like, I always wanted to know. And Superman's like, yeah, I, w- I always want to know who's faster. And Superman's like, well, I'll tell you what, Bruce said something about brunch. So if you if I win, you have to go to brunch with everybody. So it's it's Joss Whedon doing that that classic Joss Whedon callback. Like, he wrote a joke specifically so he could have an after credit sequence. And everyone's like, oh my god, it's the Flash and the Superman. They're going to race. And the thing was, they always raced on foot. They ran against each other. But Superman flew. It was complete hot garbage. People, though, were losing it. They were so excited. Then the after after credits sequence... Um, Lex Luthor breaks out, and it's still that still that dildo. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jesse Eisenberg playing Lex Luthor. Terrible Lex Luthor. Uh, Deathstroke gets out, and the Deathstroke looks great, and the guy playing Deathstroke is awesome. And Luthor's like, "Wow, these guys are starting a league. Maybe it's time we start a league of our own." <laughs> Maniacal laugh. Yeah, I mean that's 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 about what it was, and and everyone's like, "Yeah," everyone's like, you know, the people are applauding. I'm like, "What? what did we watch the same movie?" Final verdict, do you recommend people watch it at home? Sure, why not? Here's the thing, man. Is this worth hate watching? Is it even worth no, hate watching? No, I, 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 really, I really don't think so. Because, it, look, I, I've been a fan of DC Comics my entire life. I love DC Comics. I thought Wonder Woman was great. I, I sing to the chorus of heaven the praises of the Berlantiverse on the CW, which this week, y'all, they are doing a crossover. Crisis on Earth X, all four shows getting together. If you want to see the Justice League... Monday and Tuesday next week. Watch the CW. It's a four-part series, and it will blow your mind. It, it, it sucks because there's so much potential that they could do with these movies, and they, they just squander it because they, they tried to outrace Marvel, who's been at it for years. So on that note, you've talked way too much about DC. That's our obligatory DC <laughs> conversation for the year. Yeah, done with it. Because nobody, none of our fan base should even be watching DC, so screw all that. We're going to talk about something that I thought is tremendous. I'm only on episode four or five, maybe five. The Punisher came out on Netflix so last good. week. And it is so well done, so well written, so well acted. Look, The Punisher was up against a tough, a lot. They were up against a, a, a mountain of shit. I mean, you've got a guy in Las Vegas who went nuts and murdered a whole lot of people. White guy in Las Vegas murders a whole lot of people people. for no reason whatsoever. The old white dude with a gun thing is not going well in this country. We understand. We are not for that either. But for the Punisher, who in the comic book has largely been a very one-dimensional, 
white guy with a gun killing people who had nothing to do with the murder of his family just because he kills people because he punishes. Yeah. Basically the long and short of the comic book. I mean, there isn't... The comic book, with the exception of the the uh, Garth Ennis yeah. run in the late 90s, early 2000s, there wasn't much to his character and his story was kind of old and boring. Not a lot of depth. Not a lot of depth at all. Though I did enjoy the comic book, mostly because it was so different and violent. Um, but today it's hard to, that type of character, it's very hard for them to exist in our world as it exists today. Right. Go ahead. Yeah, so I I loved it. I actually watched all 13 episodes. Whoa, when did you find time to do that while being a country superstar? (laughs) Yeah, you find time for what you want to do, man. Also, I don't make kids, so. Yeah, that's. And I'm single. That's true. But I, um, the one thing I would like to say, so let's talk a little bit about the show. We're not going to ruin anything, but the way they got. The, the long and short story of the Punisher for anyone who has not seen the Dolph Lundgren version or the version <laughs> with the guy from Rome or the version with that other guy who was really good but don't remember his name. Thomas Jane. The reason th- those anyone who's seen those know that the general origin story is mob guys for some reason or another. I think it's because they confused him with someone else, murdered his wife and kids in cold blood. He seeks revenge and then continues to seek revenge. Forever, so far, so on. It, I believe it also happens. That we don't. I don't know how they get to it because I'm only on episode four or five. I don't know whether it's the same type of it's same situation in that his family are killed by some people. I don't really know yet if it's the mob or some other. Uh, a lot of it I think was covered in Daredevil season two, but I don't remember a lot of it. But the key thing that I want to get at right now is that rather than like you killed my family, I will kill the world. They're really placing a lot of emphasis on on PTSD. Absolutely. And military people who are going through PTSDs, particularly those who were in Afghanistan, Iraq. And I I love that because it A sheds a light on the fact that there is this is a true problem and it's something that people need to be treated for, just like alcoholism or drug right. you know, drug dependency. You know, it's people who have been through something traumatic. They need to resolve. Actually, I probably shouldn't have used drugs, but they kind of allude towards that. They make right. it seem like they go to the meetings that are similar to like an AA. Right. But it's obviously more of a psychological issue than. Yeah. I don't want to get myself in trouble right now. I'm neither alcoholic nor have PTSD, so I'm right. kind of talking out of my ass a little bit. But they do focus on that as a reason why some people come back and are just not right and need help and they need each other to support each other and. I really think that's a great way to go into not necessarily why he goes around then punishing people, but, but why there's also other people that were in his special forces platoon who also aren't quite, you know, right. they didn't come back the same way they left when they went to war. I'll tell you, I've always loved Punisher, and I've, I've always appreciated it more when the Punisher would pop up in other people's stories because... He was always able to be used to add depth to a story, but really didn't have a lot of depth of his own. Like, I, I mean, I've read years worth of Punisher's comics, and I'm like, why am I still buying this comic? I, I know exactly what's going to happen. He's going to do the same thing over and over again. The guy that they got playing the Punisher, John Bernthal, is excellent. Excellent, excellent. Like, I really genuinely hope he gets an Emmy for his work on this show because it really does. It really does bring um, to light uh, PTSD and really helps people who don't have it understand it i think it does a really good job of showing both sides of the gun control argument both for and against and you know for a character that didn't have a lot of depth in the comics they give you the ability to stretch it over 13 episodes where i never felt like oh my god 
It's great, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what you think when you finish all 13 episodes. Is it does it go through all 13 episodes? Does it carry through? Does the awesomeness last oh, yeah. from the beginning? No, to no, it absolutely does. It it and it it does. Every episode does build to something. Um, episode 13 kind of it, 12 is the penultimate episode, but 13 is like all right, we're gonna we're gonna tie this up in a nice little bow. It's it's still violent throughout the entire show, except. Unlike the comic where he's just like walking around constantly killing people, like he he kills a lot of people. But there's also some people he lets live when they plead for their lives. I noticed that too. A couple people, yeah. Like that uh, the drug dealer in episode five, or the drug gun dealer. I, oh, I will say I am very upset. I gotta say something. I'm very upset with the show. Why why the bad guy needs to be Greeks? <sighs> like, do Greeks have to be gun runners? Last time I checked, the one thing Greeks do and do well is diners. You would think. But it's, no, it's guns run, gun running. It's just like in 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 the wire where it's like, oh, the Greeks have to be the like big, the big uh, import export like drug runners or whatever it was. Like, why does it have to be the Greeks? Greeks do one thing well. We do diners. We cook. I know. They, they, we that's... cook. We fish. Well, you know what? We're not that smart enough to be like a lord. Uh, you know, gangland. That's why it's a TV show. That 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 bothered me a little. That's bit. why it's a like, TV show. That's like that's where we're gonna do make not it up. Use the Hellenic name in vain is what I'm <laughs> saying right here. That's just wrong. I am excited to see it. Also, so a lot of these Marvel, uh, the Netflix shows, about halfway through they get a little boring. They lose their way sometimes. Did this ever lose its way, or does it continue straight through? Not once. It can continue straight through. You know what's cool about the Marvel Netflix series is that they're they're almost like what I consider the Marvel Knights line. Where it's a little more adult, a little more, a little more modern, a little more street level. So this one does it does this thing all the way through. He never stops being the Punisher, unlike say Iron Fist, who only did karate in like two episodes. Um, and Luke Cage, where it kind of loses steam like after the eighth episode. This stays consistent the whole way through. Alias is really the only one that like Jessica the, Jones. Yeah, Jessica Jones, and maybe the first Daredevil. I think held through the whole way through. Yeah, this is this is on par with Jessica Jones. It's different though because it's it's. I can see that some people might not like it because they're used to the Marvel brand being somewhat having some kind of levity in there, some jokes here and there. This is a very like we're serious. I think Microchips used a little bit for levity. He is, and it's weird because you you the stuff you find. I mean, the stuff that I found myself laughing at with between him and Frank was kind of the stuff I don't think they maybe meant you to laugh at. The dark stuff. It was kind of it was real dark. So definitely check out Punisher. It's out on Netflix right now. I just want to talk really quickly about uh, the Punisher, the Punisher TV show. As we just, I mean, the comic book, as we mentioned, you know, kind of one-sided. But I think we can both agree that the greatest storyline ever in Punisher history. What is it? Uh, the war journal where he's down in the jungle with Wolverine. No. Which one? No. The best one ever is when Jigsaw cuts his face off and he becomes a no, no. When he needs to hide from like oh whoever he's hiding from. Prison. And he turns himself into a black man. They cut the face off of an African American, and puts his, he replaces it with his own face, and he becomes a black Punisher. I I remember being Do young. Do you remember that? I, I remember going and picking up the new issue of Punisher. It's like he was in prison and he had a he had a blend in. So he, they put him in the face off machine, and he, and he he came out black. And I was thinking to myself, oh, like I'm all for diversity in comics but this seems like a really bad misstep for marvel so there is a site uh cbr.com that has a uh column called remember to forget that time the punisher became a black guy 
In the series, in this series, we spotlight comic books that are best left forgotten. Today, we look at the Punisher when he became a black eye for a short period of time. In 1991, writer Mike Barron That's it. began an epic Punisher story called "The Final Days." In it, the Kingpin hires a young criminal genius to slowly tear down the Punisher. It involves Frank Castle ending up in prison, where he is brutally attacked by a group of bad guys led by Punisher's enemy Jigsaw. Yeah. Uh, amusingly enough, his, uh, uh, then an ad pops up, so, uh, amusingly enough, his injuries served as cover for him to escape. The Punisher got injured really badly, and he was able to escape prison. Now on the run, and with a heavily scarred face, Frank gets a doctor who is now a drug addict to work on his face, giving him plastic surgery so that no one can recognize him. This comes to a head in Punisher 59, where... The face that they swapped it out for, and I'm not sure who it belonged to. They have a long a couple of pages where he's like Dark Man, where he's wearing bandages over his head, and he finally pulls off the bandages, bandages to reveal that he now has the face of a black man and black hands. They never in black hands, but I, they never remove his shirt, so we know if he's like I, I, I a just, black and white cookie. I just or like, think of Mike Bennett. Like I read it, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh, you'll never work in this town again." Yeah, like and the whatever the editor was that was like, oh, this is a great idea. This is a fresh take. Like you, I mean, I don't think anyone got away with it back then. You definitely couldn't get away with it now. Like that's terrible. So with that story, that was Baron uh, his last time writing that book. Yeah, uh, they still need to res- resolve the storyline. So halfway through the storyline, they hired Mark McLaurin, a writer of uh, Luke Cage, because I figured they needed somebody who can now write to black characters i don't know i don't know uh he scripted the series over baron's plot for the next couple of issues uh suggesting and so now the now black punisher goes on the run and ends up in chicago where he drives erratically due to still being doped up on pain meds from the face-off this does not bode well for him as some state troopers feel that he is violating the law against driving while black (sighs) oh lord so, so how many issues did it go before he went back? I'm working through it. Sadly for the Punisher, the catch, blah, 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 blah. I think he then met up with Luke Cage or the bad guy from Luke Cage, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. He ends up, um, Punisher, blah, blah, blah. I think he just goes to a plastic surgeon and the next issue is, boom, I'm white again. You can tell that this was also yeah. a story Marvel wanted to forget, considering that the reveal happened in 59 and he was back to normal by the end of issue 62. Mike Barron later recalled that his editor on the book, Don Daly, insisted that he write this story, so that likely is why Barron left the book. So, the the episode, the, the issue arc, Punisher original series, 59 to 62... It's the Blunisher. Blackface Def- Punisher. Def- terrible, Def- terrible, Def- terrible. Definitely terrible. check it out if you want to laugh. Marvel, God, you know they want to bury that so bad. I also would like to know that I did love both recent uh, Punisher Marvel movies. I don't know why anybody didn't like them. The War Journal and the one before it, I thought were very well done. People hated the War Journal one, though. Well, that was fun. It's, he was just the Punisher killing people. It's Like, look, you know who you're getting into bed with when you're watching a Punisher movie. You know exactly what you're getting out of the deal. So the big thing, the biggest thing that happened this week uh, was Wednesday night. We got to see Secret Country perform 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 in concert at some Irish pub in Carney, whose name I can't even try to pronounce. Donegal. Yeah, try Donegal that again. Saloon. One more time. One Donegal more time. Saloon. What does that mean? Fuck if I know. 
Someplace uh, in Ireland. You're Irish. Yeah. I don't know everything Irish. You, you celebrate the Irish holiday. I do. We're just one. Uh, so, I want to know the truth. Sure. When did you come out of the closet and go country? <laughs> I've always loved country music. I've always I've always loved it. I mean, I've, I've, pre- I've played predominantly punk for my entire musical career. Like, I, I've always played in punk rock bands and other things, but... You know, when I got the offer to join this band, our friend George was like, "Yeah, this is this sounds about right. It's like the most." He's finally Hamlin gets his country band, and convinced me. He's like, "Well, if you're gonna do it, you got to do it right." So he convinced me to get a full denim outfit and brown cowboy boots, and uh, my new look is the honky tonk man. I, I first of all, he's lying. His look is way more Patrick Swayze Roadhouse. Well, today, and I gotta admit, I've never seen Hambone in non-skin tight pants. And nobody oh, ever man. told Hambone how awful he looked in skin-tight pants. Apparently, I, as, I look terrible in skinny I, jeans. I, as, I've only known him in skinny jeans. I always thought he was being ironic, and it was kind of a joke that eventually was going to be like, haha, I'm just making fun of people who wear skinny jeans. But it never went away. No, I liked so him. I mean, I kind of felt like it was like, you know, like a superhero wears we tights. Assumed, I wear skinny jeans. We assumed it was one of those things like when you wear tidy whities you do it to like have more like testicular fortitude. And I thought that's why he was doing it was to like, you know... Make sure, like, you know, like Viagra for men. But, no, he kept wearing the skinny jeans I've been wearing years. skinny jeans for, I don't know, 15, 16 and years. And those who have met Hambo know he's svelte, kind of. And, we're you know, getting there. We're, we're working getting on there. It. Well, he, someone finally told this, this sad bastard that he would look a lot better if he bought jeans that fit him. Well, no. Here's what happened. I went and got the cowboy boots. And Jen's like, you know, you can't wear skinny jeans with a cowboy you gotta boot. got to get boot cut. You got to get boot cut jeans. Like, so I went out to JCPenney. You know, we're mom shop. And uh, I had a coupon. And I got a pair of boot cut Levi's. And I put them on. I'm like, wow, these are surprisingly comfortable. And they're a little more fabric-y. And I start wearing them with the boots. Then everyone and you was like. you can't see what religion you are. <laughs> George, I so he has come over. He had his ham over, or whatever we're calling it these days. He is wearing pants. Ladies, women, women. He is wearing these delectable, form-fitting yet comfortable-looking jeans that highlight his tuchus and does not make it look like you, you can't tell when he's excited anymore. Thank Jesus God. Christ. He's now wearing these George. like nice country slash like. You know, very tiki adjacent, but very good country shirts. His hair now matches the body. I have never seen Hambone look this good, and oh, it's thanks, all because buddy. he went country. I will also have been known that I have seen Hambone perform many, many a times. This was possibly the best Hambone performance I've ever oh, seen. thanks, man. It felt great. The band is Secret Country. I think they have an album out without Hambone, but whatever. A bunch of them. And if you have a chance to see them, you should go do it. Go... See Hambone, tell him he looks amazing in his new look. Make sure that you tell him never burn the skinny jeans. Well, fun fact, I... Uh, burn the skinny jeans. And I didn't burn them yet, but I went and I, I wore them the other day because I wanted to... I was, I was going out and about and I didn't want to mess these jeans up before the show. Because I have like a whole bunch of skinny jeans. I only got like one pair of actual jeans. And I put the skinny jeans on and I'm like, God damn it. Everybody's Who right. are you? Everybody's right. They're so uncomfortable now compared to these jeans that I'm wearing. If I'm not me, who the hell am I? That's well, exactly how you were thinking. That's exactly my, how are you in my brain? Yeah. So I just want to say definitely one of the best handbone shows I've ever seen. If you are a fan of, uh, I would say, more outlaw country, a little more 
uh, punk rock country, but not necessarily rockabilly, even though I did feel a lot of rockabilly in what you were performing last yeah, night. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I would check out Secret Country. Again, They are they on Spotify? Yeah, they're on Spotify. Again, on without Apple Hambone, Music. but, you know, throw them a bone. Yeah, no, they're, I mean, they're great, and now they're with Hambone. I'm no longer the side piece. I'm the main attraction. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy last night. He even didn't spend the whole show facing the speaker stack. He turned around every now and then. I was very impressed. I I, I shook my I, I shook every part of me. He at the crowd. shook. He licked his boom boom I down. He boom down. He licked his boom boom down. <laughs> lick a boom boom down. Now, awesome, I, awesome stuff right there. Thanks, man. Appreciate Thank you it. for going country. Thank you for, for becoming a new man. Women, he's still available. Don't let this escape you. It's a new year. It's a new month. It's a new Thanksgiving. What are you guys all, all you women that are thankful for Hambone and are single, show him your thanks. It's either going to be one of you or George's mom's going to hook me up with a nice Greek girl. Yeah. So you got to like, you got to hurry up because this is, this is, <laughs> this is dire right now. He's almost 40. Yeah, but I look like I'm 28. Exactly. Not. Anyway. What? Last week I said we we're going to talk a little bit about what I saw at Disney World. Right. I, I'm not. Nobody here wants to hear me talk about Disney World and like kids ride stuff. I want to talk about what I'm seeing in terms of Star Wars permeating right. the Disney universe. That's what we all care about, right? Right. So first off, when I went to Disneyland last year, I was very lucky in that they've turned what was the area that's like Tomorrowland into the building that used to have like check out smart home. <laughs> smart home features and like talking TV sets and stuff that now is everywhere. Now it's in our watches. They had a smart home area. They've now turned it into the Marvel area where they have all like the the scale replicas or even the original props from the movie. Right. The history of Star Wars. You can now meet uh, Chewbacca, the real, well not the real, but the best costume you're going to see of Chewbacca, Kylo Ren, we met him last year. Now they have BB-8, and I think it's a real Spiro. Yeah. Sadly, I couldn't get in to see him because we were running late, but they've turned that whole area into a museum of Star Wars. That's awesome. Then, in in uh, Hollywood Studios, uh, which is where uh, that era, that thing is... In, in, in Disneyland in California, it's all in the Tomorrowland area. Right. In Disney World, it's in the Hollywood Studios area, where they also have set up a full-size AT-AT, and in Ewok Village, where they do the the stunt show, where they have little kids get up all dressed as Jedi Knights. Yes. They have Darth Vader and uh, Kylo Ren come out and like try to battle little Jedis. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. That's awesome. But it's clearly obvious that they're slowly, slowly transitioning um, MGM, Hollywood, Hollywood Kingdom, Hollywood Land, Hollywood studios into star wars world well it's it's pretty neat because uh, we know like what 2019 will have a full-blown star wars world down there mm -hmm. what they're trying to do uh, from what i read is they're trying to get people to stay in the park because they're they're getting their asses kicked by wizarding world of harry potter at universal day two tickets suck day two tickets suck now fun fact is that universal studios has marvel's island of adventure right and when i was there last going to wizarding world of harry potter i realized that it looks like it did when they opened it up all those years ago. It hasn't been updated at all. Like even like the old the characters, they're not putting a penny extra into making anything new in this place. They're only upkeeping it because as long as they keep it up to like the perfect good standard, the contract that they have is indefinite. Um, they can keep it open. They can keep the characters and keep using the characters. Universal owns those characters to use at the park. That's why when you go to Disney World, there's a Guardians of the Galaxy attraction because the Guardians of the Galaxy weren't part of that original deal that they had. So, like, Marvel 
Marvel is kind of being represented at Disney World, but only as much as they possibly can uh, do it. I was going to get to that a little bit later, but I would say Marvel's very poorly treated at uh, at Disney. I think it's nowhere near to the level of Star Wars. I think that might have something to do with the licensing. The Guardians of the Galaxy ride actually replaced the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror in California. Okay. It, there's no Guardians of the Galaxy ride here. I met Groot and Star-Lord, who looked a lot like Thor... So I'm wondering if he does double duty as Thor and Star-Lord. I will tell you that I think if Marvel wanted to do it, they could do it in Disneyland. But they're not ever allowed to do it uh, in Disney World. So for a, hot minute, for a hot minute, maybe a year in Disneyland in California, the Star Wars land area, the Star Wars uh, museum thing was an Avengers world. Oh, cool. But I heard they took the whole thing and moved it to Tokyo Disney. Yeah. Or Hong Kong Disney or one of those Disneys. So it's overseas now. I'm, I want to talk a little bit about Animal Kingdom. We went there to just go to Animal Kingdom and maybe see. I'm not a fan of Avatar. Right. I'm vocally very much against Avatar. Not to the level of DC hate, but I think this movie should not be the biggest movie ever made. I, I think don't it was get a it. cheap gimmick with a bad story. It was Fern Gully in 3D. I did not. Yeah. Yeah. Did not love Avatar. Wow. But Disney sunk a lot of money to turn a third of of Animal Kingdom into uh, Pandora. Right. And it was so well done. No photo I could take could capture what I was looking at. The upside down mountains, the 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 fake foliage, foliage that doesn't even exist in the world, creatures, everything is a drum. You can play drums on almost everything there. It was amazing to see them create this world i will argue that maybe it shouldn't belong in the animal kingdom which maybe should be real animals that actually exist but again you're saying day two sales animal kingdom's not getting them over harry potter they are not going to animal kingdom over harry potter for sure but this was so impressive we went there we were there at dusk uh dawn dusk right when night was coming and to see the fluorescent illuminations, everything turns glow in the dark and black light at night. Wow. It is incredible. So what I'm trying to get at is if they can make Star Wars World even a fraction as good as what Pandora looks like, and I don't like Avatar. Right. We're in for good things in Disney. Oh, in I can't years. wait. I so there was one ride. My friend Lindsay was like, if you're going to Animal Kingdom, get your Fast Pass now. I'm going to complain a little bit right now about Disney. This Fast Pass Plus bullshit where you can get your Fast Pass up to two months in advance or whatever it is, is bull crap. Like Disneyland, really? you roll into Disneyland, you run around the park, you get your 50 Fast Passes to everything. You go as you see fit. In Disneyland, Disney World, you get three Fast Passes a day. That's it. Really? Just yes. three? Three, and you can get them in advance. So the flight of the whatever Concord, the Avatar ride, the main one, she said, get it right now. It's going to be sold out. So I did. And I got there, and we went towards the end, and it was at 6 o'clock, I think, our run, ride on it. And the wait was, at that point, three hours long. The wait for the ride would have been longer than the park closing. Jesus. It was that crazy. I'm like, this has to be... Like, who waits three hours in line for a ride? Like, this has to be the best ride you've ever been on in your life. So, with your fast pass, were you able to get on it? Yep. <coughs> Sorry, still a little sick. Uh, we, I got in within a half hour. I had my fast pass. I left the baby with Alton. This was not... Uh, while we were actually able to bring the baby on most of the rides in Disneyland, right. Disney World, we couldn't bring him on this. And uh, you got to basically walk up a mountain. Like, you climb up around a mountain in a queue. You get there. You're in a holding pattern where much like... Uh, Star Tours, you have a pre 
a pre thing where you're like being put in a an echo chamber and then like it turns you it matches you up with your your avatar and right. there's a whole th- sequence before it that was very interesting uh, and then they eventually let you into what is going to be the ride have you been on Star Tours oh yeah Star Tours is kind of like a, uh, a virtual reality 4D ride where you're just kind of like moving a little bit juggling jung- you know it's jostling a little bit to a very short sequence of Star Wars, now it's uh, incorporating the new Star Wars movies. Right. Very well done, but it's not much to it. I don't love Star Tours. I thought the ride was too short. I thought it wasn't that impressive in this world of 3D today. Yeah. Have you ever done Soaring in Epcot? No. Soaring is a 4D uh, thing where you flight simulator, where you put on the goggles, and you're kind of feeling like you're flying. And you got a little bit of dipping and diving, but you know you still know you're in the real world. Right. This one is the ultimate 4D experience. Soaring. They No, not this new Avatar ride. Okay. But I'd say it's... I wanted to say Soaring and Star Tours are kind of like the, the prototype of the this ride. A little dated. Yes. So you get in these motorcycle things. You put. You have to put, secure your stuff in these racks in the back. That's why I knew this would be like, okay, we're securing our stuff. You then hop on this motorcycle bike thing, and it closes around you so tight. I'm like, why is this is a movie ride? Like most yeah. Universal rides, why am I a, why am I being secured this hard? There's a sequence again. You put glasses on, but there is still screen in front of you that opens up, like an IMAX screen. Okay. You then drop into Pandora on these flying motorcycles, you drop... My balls were in my mouth, Hambone. Oh, my God. And this is what I was like, well, That's graphic. why do I feel this way when I'm on a, like, in, like, a motorcycle in a room? No, it is balls in your mouth. You're hanging left. You're hanging right. You're going up, dipping, diving. There's water splashing at you. There's air splashing at you. The ride's, like, 10 minutes long. It was the most incredible experience I've ever felt. It was, like, the... It was truly like being in a roller coaster in an imaginary world. I, I want to try it. It I, I, I've never really believed. I don't like quote unquote fake movie rides. Right. Most of Universal. Yeah. Like yeah. the Simpsons rides. I, I hate that. I like I like I like active rides like Indiana Jones or Pirates of the Caribbean. This was so incredible. The only thing I, I really want to find out how they made this ride. I'm assuming that since we climbed up a mountain, that it's dropping three, four stories right. within this chamber. If you stop and look left or right, you see the other, like the, the people up in the motorcycles in the other rooms too. It is so amazing. I can't explain. I can't even explain it. It's just, it's worth three hours though. I would not have done that, but right. yeah, definitely well. worth the fast pass plus, uh, if you're anywhere near Animal Kingdom, it's worth it to try this ride out. So what I, the then thing that I'm trying to say is, if Star Wars is anything like this, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. And if we can see Ewoks and Jawas walking around, dude, it's going to be ah. Uh, Hug all the Ewoks. I'm twitching. I'm so excited for what's coming. So let's finish off this show with uh, a little bit of exciting news this past week. Lucha Underground is coming back. F- I honestly did not see that coming. I did not see it coming either. For those that didn't know, Lucha Underground is this uh, completely different approach to wrestling, pro wrestling, on the El Rey Network, uh, paid for by the guy who does Dust Till Dawn? No. Robert Rodriguez. Robert yeah. Rodriguez, yes. The El Rey Network. He's like the executive producer. They basically try to take a new approach to wrestling where they incorporate cinematics and violence and, and true storytelling into wrestling. 
The problem was they treated wrestlers like actors and not wrestlers and signed everybody to seven-year deals where they can't actually make money other than the two months where they're wrestling on the show. Yeah. And it was horrible. Everybody started quitting, fighting, suing. It got really ugly, and we thought it really wasn't going to last past the first three seasons. But it looks like they've smartened up. They've realized that they're never going to be a touring wrestling show. They need to just pay these people for the months they work, and then allow them to wrestle elsewhere. They're also cutting deals with Global Force Impact Wrestling. And, sure. And Ring of Honor and New Ring Japan. Ring of Honor and New Japan. So there's going to be talent trading. They're going to be able to work in their off time. Well, I mean... Like, in the end of the day, these aren't actors. They're wrestlers. They're contracted wrestlers. They're, they're, they just want to make money and feed their family. And that's it. I mean, in the end of the day, what's happening here is that now, oh, you want to get more people to watch Lucha Underground? Well, shit. Let Johnny, let Johnny Mundo go and wrestle in Peoria. Get people excited. Yeah, you watch me on Lucha Underground. It's a no-brainer. They're doing all the advertising by doing their jobs outside of working. And once again, like Impact, everybody's just saying, well, this is the end, this is the end. And it's like, why does everybody keep saying, like, why is everybody wishing death on other wrestling organizations? Well, it's just people want to feed their kids. Just want to feed their kids, man. And it's been well known, this is the top show on El Rey. So even though it's not doing extremely well, it's it's making people watch the El Rey Network, which nobody else is watching. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, El Rey Network is awesome. Like, when I had, when I had it on the cable uh, network, I was subscribed to at the time it was great they got a lot of great shows yeah i i, I recommend anybody watch it i believe the first two seasons are on netflix now yeah, on netflix yeah if you want to get to hopefully they'll get the third season on because i lost half of it when i lost my tivo oh. including the uh when Kyrie sane fought pentagon jr oh yeah i saw Wait, that match yeah i'm kind of <sighs> impressed i missed that but definitely check it out uh, really quickly let's close this show off what are your final thoughts on war games and survivor series i thought it were great i i thought that for bringing back a concept like war games, I thought they did a really good job, you know, being respectful to what they did before in the past and also updating it enough that people are interested in seeing it, uh, hoping that they still do it, maybe do it again next year. Um, match of the year. I'm not going to not gonna mince words here. Velveteen Dream, Aleister Black. If that is not match of the year, we riot. Even though this is a year Okada fought Omega. Three I, times, uh, he, like yeah, three times. This was a better match. Yeah, the story that was told was amazing. They made a star out of Patrick Clark, Velveteen Dream. Alistair Black was already amazing. That was definitely the best match of the weekend. I also enjoyed the War Games match. I wasn't expecting it to turn to this amazing hardcore match. Thanks yeah. to Sanity, everybody in there worked their ass off. Definitely worth watching. War Games. Uh, you could skip the uh, the um, Cassius Ono match. That was just kind of throwaway at the beginning. The women's title match was a little like obvious and it was short. If you want to see that, you should see that. But uh, I, that could have been a lot better. But the other three matches, particularly Alistair Black and Velveteen Dream and War Games, are worth watching. Absolutely. Survivor Series met expectations, uh, except for the very end. But I wasn't expecting much with the men five on five. Now, you know what? The, the whole event got there and... Once once you got past AJ Styles and Brock Lesnar, I was kind of like, all right, we're done. They should have closed with AJ versus Brock. I don't understand why they didn't do it. Because I don't know why. Maybe they would have had to pay Brock Lesnar more. They did go over 15 minutes. Uh, that was shocking. So, and Brock sold. Yeah, bell to bell, they went over 15 minutes. So I highly recommend in that. I recommend AJ versus Brock. I, the tag matches, the women's uh, five on five. Basically everything... Except for I don't know, I just say watch the whole pay per view because at this point the the you kind of needed to watch the five on five to understand what's going on. But right. 
you know, Triple H always goes over. Always. Always, no matter what. Just like on this show, I always go over. Yeah, you do. Yes, I do. I just want to thank everybody. We are thankful for our audience, our fans, for listening to us, all dozens and dozens of you. We would truly appreciate it if you want to show thanks to us and gratitude to rate and review us on iTunes. That's the only day way we're ever going to get any sponsorship. For real. I really would appreciate that. And, um, you know, just just excited to go into a new year very shortly after we get through this holiday. We're going to have, just so you know, we are going to have the return of Krampus in a couple weeks. So that should be interesting. He will be cold what? calling people. Yep, we are going to have Krampus I back. Thought, I thought this was the year. No more Wolf, no more Krampus. I don't know. We're going to do Krampus. Krampus what? is going to come back for one night only. And I hope you really enjoy it. We will be talking about Runaways next week, which I hear is great. On if, three episodes If in. it somehow goes on Geoplex, I'm waiting. Yeah, it's waiting on. Patient. I don't see it on my Geoplex. Geoplex was down this morning, though, so I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm watching it on Hulu. Uh, They're doing a great job with it. I can't wait to talk about it next week. Hambone, how can people reach out, reach, reach, find you? You can find me on the... (laughs) Sorry. You can can find me on the Twitter, at Hambreaker. Uh, I've been tweeting a lot. Uh, I will respond to your commentary. Uh, Yeah, hit me up. Let's talk about fun stuff. And while I'm linking your boom boom down, Hambone... While I'm looking at I can be reached at GLK Creative on Instagram and Twitter. I can be reached at cultofgeorge.com, where I'm now reviewing record stores, too, because nice. why not? You can reach me at GLK Creative. I still have a couple more wedding bookings I'm taking for this coming year. And you can visit MyTaiTV.com for all the previous episodes of My Thai TV and My Thai Happy Hour. We really appreciate everyone for making this show what it is. We're sorry if we're a little sedate this week, but we had a long night last night. Had a real long night. I am half awake right now. This baby (laughs) thing, everything they've said about the sleep deprivation is true, but I'm ready for some fake turkey and for cranberry sauce. Fun. I'm going to eat some real turkey and take a nap. Take us out, Hambone. Everybody remember, be nice. Aloha. Hello, 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 hello,